Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of the First Baptist Big Spring podcast. This is Jonathan, Minister of Discipleship and Administration here at First Baptist Big Spring. So glad you've joined me today. We're going to be looking back upon Pastor Mark's sermon from August 16th, entitled Following Christ from John chapter 6, verses 59 through 71. I'm going to go back and read verses 66 through 70 from John chapter 6. So if you have a Bible out in front of you, I encourage you to go there. We'll get there in just a few minutes. John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. If you were here on Sunday and have been this year uh, many times, we are working our way through the Gospel of John. Pastor Mark has been preaching through the book of John this year in a series called The Jesus Story. We're looking at how the life of Jesus was lived here on earth, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, some of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast. It's, a, it's an amazing book of the Bible, and so I'd encourage you, if you haven't been a part of our worship services, uh, you can go back and watch those on our church website, fbcbigspring.org, under live stream and sermon archives. Everything is posted uh, there. Also on our YouTube channel and our Facebook page, just search First Baptist Church Big Spring, Texas, and that will pop right up for you. But today we're going to look back at this idea of following Christ. John chapter 6, if you remember at the beginning, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Many folks are following Jesus at this point, and they're being amazed by some of the things that are going on. They have been fed with bread and fish, and the crowds are continuing to grow, and people are following after Jesus. But what we see as we walk through the rest of this chapter is that slowly people are kind of pushing back a little bit and walking away. Because we're getting to the point as we walk through this chapter, and it comes to a a head here with what I'll read here in a minute. Many are realizing that they don't actually have a real commitment to Jesus, but they were simply there for the benefit. They were simply there to get the things from Jesus, like free meal. But what we begin to see here at the end is Jesus tells them this this life is not going to be easy. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean everything's going to go away and all the things are going to work out perfect for you. And he's trying to shift their focus here from physical bread to himself, the Messiah. He's trying to shift their focus off of what God can do for them and to who God is. And many are pushing back upon that. They're walking away because they weren't willing to obey when it got a little bit difficult. They had simply come to Jesus to get something from him, but when things began to get hard, they they just gave up. They wanted to be followers, but they didn't really want to be committed. There are believers like that today that like to come and see what they can get from Jesus. And maybe they're here many Sundays, but they're not actually committed. When things get hard, they run away. When when things get hard, running away should be the last thing that we do. We should run even harder towards Jesus. Because that's the point at which we realize we need completely to be trusting in him, not running away from him. When the things are hard, like Jesus said was going to happen, 
We need to run completely to Jesus, not run away from him and try to figure out, well, why is Jesus doing that? Well, he's just doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And we, we see this happen among people that were following Jesus. And then we see this amazing conversation between Jesus and his disciples in John chapter 6, starting in verse number 66. John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life, and we have believed, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered then, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. He's talking about Judas, obviously. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he is one of the twelve and was going to betray him. We'll read just a little bit into Peter's answer there in John chapter 6. Peter's telling us a couple things. Number one, we're in this, Jesus. We're not going to turn away. I'm not going to go back. We fully trust and 100% have placed our faith and loyalty and devotion to you. We're not running away. We're here. We're not like those people that are traveling back down the road away once the blessing stopped. We are here. We are with you. We're going nowhere. But the second is a more literal understanding of that. Literally, they didn't have anywhere else to go. They'd walked away from constant time with their families to fully and completely follow Jesus. They'd given up their careers in many cases, some lucrative. They had given up their possessions. They moved away from their hometown in their familiar settings. They literally had nowhere else to go. Jesus had told them this is how it's going to be, and they had bought into it. And Peter is simply stating the fact, Jesus, where else could we go? Where else could we go? We're with you. We're here. We're not going anywhere. When, when times get tough, we need to be able to go to Jesus. There are going to be trials and challenges in your life. Things are never going to go exactly like you would like them to go. There was a pastor. He ended up being a pastor. He started off as a lawyer. He was His name was E.M. Bounds, Edward McKendry Bounds, born August the 15th, 1835 in Missouri. His father was a county clerk in Shelbyville, Missouri. But his father died when Ian was only 14 years of age. But he wanted to follow his father's footsteps somewhat, so he became a lawyer. And in 1859, he'd been a lawyer for several years. But he decided that he was no longer going to argue cases in front of judges and juries. He was going to use his power of persuasive speech to share Jesus with others. And so he was going to enter into ministry. It was not going to be an easy ministry. You know about the United States history in the 1850s and 1860s. It was a time of great turmoil. 
leading up to and during the Civil War. His home state of Missouri was a hotbed for things that were going on at that time. Many denominations in America at that time actually split over this issue of, of slavery and the Civil War. The denomination he was a part of, the Methodist Episcopal Church, did so, split into a northern branch and a southern branch. Southern branch predominantly supported uh, slavery, uh, at least the right uh, to that. And that was where he was a part of in Missouri. He joined that southern branch, but he was ardently against slavery. He saw it as anti-gospel, as, as not being something uh, that was in line with the teachings of Christ as a, as a loving your neighbor and providing for them. And it was something that he was adamant about. But because of where he lived, he felt like this was the place that he was going to, to be, and that caused some issues for him. In Missouri, the Union Army came in right around the start of the Civil War and asked all members of the Methodist Episcopal Church of the South to sign loyalty oaths to the Union, and they began to take over property, including church buildings and parsonages where pastors lived, but Pastor Bounds refused to sign an oath of loyalty to the Union, not because uh, he was against the Union, but because he said he was already a U.S. citizen, and he refused. He said, I should not have to reauthorize some loyalty oath that I've already agreed to. So they placed him in jail, $500 bond. He refused and spent some time in jail, spent almost two years in jail. What did he do in jail during these hardships? Nothing different. The only thing that was different was he was now preaching from behind bars instead of in front of a congregation. But he preached to his fellow prisoners and inmates. He was released in 1862 with one stipulation that he was not to return to his home state of Missouri until after the war. So he went to Mississippi, became a chaplain in the Confederate Army, not because he believed in slavery or fighting for it, but because he wanted to share the love of Jesus with people he felt like needed it. One of the interesting things about chaplains during, particularly in the Civil War, most of the time they were unarmed, but they would march right in line with the troops that were armed on the front lines into battle. Two years after that, in November of 1864, the unit that he was a chaplain for, the 3rd Missouri Regiment, fought in the Second Battle of Franklin, Tennessee. The war was going to be coming to a close in just a few more months. The South was outnumbered, outmanned, outgunned. The battle ended fairly quickly. Northern troops overwhelmed the Southern army. Casualties were high on both sides. But Chaplain Bounds was taken prisoner there. And one of the conditions upon the prisoner exchange that allowed him to not be in a POW camp anymore was that he would return to his, he would be allowed to return to his home state of Missouri if he would now sign a pledge, an oath of allegiance to the Union. And he did so, traveled back to his home 
state of Missouri. Upon arriving there and checking in, he immediately departed to go back to Franklin, Tennessee, the scene of the battle where which he had been captured. He did so in order to help bury those in his regiment that had been killed in battle. He eventually stayed in Franklin and became a pastor there at the Methodist Episcopal Church there in Franklin and began to meet and evangelize and help start new churches and preach on the gospel there in Franklin. After the war, he moved to Alabama, where he met what would be his future wife, Emma Elizabeth Barnett. They were married in 1876, but the marriage only lasted eight years because Emma died in 1884, leaving Edward E.M. with three children and a very odd deathbed request. His first wife asked that after she died that he would marry his her cousin, Harriet. And the reason that she gave was this, quote, she would be the perfect wife and mother her family needed. So he followed through. He married Harriet, his first wife's cousin, and began to write. Some of the writings that we have today from him are collected in a one-volume book, typically titled The Complete Works of E.M. Bounds on Prayer, nine books collected together. He wrote 11 books total. Nine of them were on prayer. And I'll get to a, just a second here why he began to primarily write on prayer. He became a writer uh, for his denomination and was associate editor of the national publication for the Methodist Episcopal Methodist Church. But eventually he would lose a battle uh, with the church when they actually voted to remove the role of evangelist, which he had great passion and zeal for. And so he left the organization, stopped writing, and it was that that time in his life where he believed that God was calling him to pray fervently every morning from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And so for the remainder of his life, those three hours, amidst traveling and preaching and continuing to evangelize and share Jesus, he would pray every morning for three hours. After that, he would continue writing. And many of what we are able to read today in the books of Ian e. Bounds on Prayer was his responses and his writings in response to this time of gathered prayer. One of the most famous quotes that he had in these books is, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. Pastor Bounds went on to live a long life, dedicated life. Eventually his books were, were published, many after his death, and are collected today. I'll put the link to the book in our podcast description here today. But he had a passionate zeal to pray that God would do something about the things that he was living through, about the people that he was preaching Christ to, about the situations that he was living through, knowing all the while 
that God never promised that he would do the things that he wanted him to do, but that God would always answer his prayer. It may not be exactly what he wanted, it may take longer, and it may be something that he was not asking for that would be the response, but his commitment was to prayer. So my challenge to you today is find a time to connect with God. I don't know if God's calling you to pray from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. He could be. But I do know as a believer, you're called to pray to God and you're called to listen to his response. We have an opportunity as believers in order to connect with the God that created us. The creator God of the entire world has an open ear for us to pray to and he will speak back to us. We need to be doing that. Second this morning that I want to talk about Pastor Mark talked about this on Sunday. Many times believers have too many options. We have too many choices. I don't know about you, but many times I'll go to a Mexican restaurant, particularly one I have not been to before, and I'll open up the menu, and I'm just completely overwhelmed. I have no idea what I want to order. I don't always order the same thing. I like to switch it up, but I'll see a hundred things on the menu, and I won't know what to do because there are so many choices. Following Jesus is the first choice and first priority that you need to make in your life as a believer. There are a lot of things you can do in life. There are a lot of things you can do on a daily basis. There are a lot of things you can continue to do. But unless Jesus is in the preeminent place in your life, are you really following him? Are you really looking towards him? One of my favorite restaurants to eat at is a restaurant called Raising Cane's. Uh, if you want 100 things on the menu, this is not the place for you. They do one thing. They do chicken strips, and they do them really, really well. They have a chicken sandwich on the menu, but it's really just like three chicken strips on a bun. They, they just buy buns and stick chicken strips on it. They have fries. They have slaw. They have drinks. That's it. That's all they have. Their slogan is one love. They love making really, really good chicken strips. That's their one thing. As a believer, we are to have one love. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because he is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. Jesus is who he says he is. He is Savior of the world. He is provider of eternal life for you. But as a follower of Jesus, he must hold that position that he demands of first. To have one love, Jesus Christ. There's a book by a guy named Kyle Eidelman called Not a Fan. And it talks about this idea of not simply being a fan of Jesus, someone that sits in the stands and cheers him on. It says, good job, I'm happy, things are going well. But what it means to be a follower of Jesus, not simply a fan. There are many that sit in pews in churches on Sunday mornings that are simply a fan of God. They're there, but they're not really there. They're there as long as things are going well for them. They're there as long as they're getting their way. They're there as long as 
as they don't have something better on the menu for them. It's not who Jesus wants. It's not what he wants us to be as a believer. He wants us to have one love, Jesus Christ. Fully devoted all into him. An attitude like Peter's that says, where else could we go but to the Lord? Where else could we go? My second challenge to you today. Go to the only one that has the power to save. Go to Jesus. Place him in the right place in your life, which is first. All other things should come behind. What are we going to do with that? It's a challenging place to be, but it's the only place that we're called to be as a believer, to have Jesus as first. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for sending your son for an open invitation in order to have the ability to talk to him, to converse with God, to hear from God. We're thankful for that. God, may we be continually connecting with you and placing you in the right place in our lives, which is first. We thank you for that. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So glad you joined me today. You are not going to want to miss the episode coming out in just a couple of days on August the 20th. That is Thursday of this week, August the 20th. We've got a very special guest on our podcast, Mr. Kai Jones. Kai is a Master of Divinity student at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Happens to have grown up in our church here. His parents, Dana and Tammy, uh, still members here, as well as his grandfather, Clem. And so we're going to be talking in the episode that will premiere on Thursday about theology. What is biblical theology? Why is it important for the local church? And that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. So I would encourage you to check out that episode that will be coming out on August the 20th. Hope you have a great day.